0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today, and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
2: Hey, everybody! I'm Geek's old brother. I'm putting a funk in the Final Frontier. Welcome to episode 320. Of Geek Soul Brother and the Nerdy Venoms. It's another Comic Game on the episode, and we had the pleasure of having Gene Luen Yang. He is a cartoonist. He's also the MacArthur Award winner and, uh, MacArthur Genius. And, uh, he gave such a great interview. Definitely worthy of the title Genius. Uh, the Nerdy Venoms, they gave a great interview. Uh, they all asked some questions and, uh, he really good, he gave some good insight into the cartoon and uh, you know comic book world. So it was our pleasure to definitely have him on the show. Find us in iTunes and Stitcher. If you do rate and subscribe to the show, also you can go to GeeksOldBrother.com dot com for reviews and trailers. And uh, hit that donate button when you get a chance. Definitely help out the show. And also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus. If you want to check us out Tuesdays. At our normal show, 10 p.m. Or Thursdays, every second Thursday of the month, we have money. Just check us out at TalkShoe.com. Just look for Geek's Old Brother and the Nerdy Venoms. Until then, uh, just watch the language. Uh, watch the kiddies. There's language in the show. Otherwise, you guys take care. Talk to you later. Peace.
0: GSB Radio. Yeah, I always want to say... Don't say I ever never did anything for you, Al.
3: That was wow. Fancy. That was really fancy. <laughs> um, and, and, and also sounded in hi-fi too. So you know, it, it sounded like, what you expect. <laughs> 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 uh, it's that Thursday a month, my fellow geeks. Welcome to the Kami Gamani Show. Uh, once, sometimes twice, like this month, uh, a month we cover the topics of, in the universes of comics, video games, and anime. Feel free to join us every month for this show, or, you know, every other week, or during our regular podcast every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Let me introduce you to my fellow members of the Justice League, to Geek Soul Brothers Superman, the Nerdy Venoms. We have, who am I starting with? JD Lane.
1: Hi, everyone.
3: (laughs) Yes, I'm doing Superman theme, if you didn't know. I know,
1: you Uh, caught me off guard.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We also have Lord Dalek Luthor.
0: Uh, I have a special bottle jar of Granny's peach tea to send you in the mail.
3: Oh!
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, ew!
3: Ah, ew. Ah, ew! Ew! Nice. Uh, we also have Toby One Kent on the call. <laughs> okay. Ace <laughs> playing like Pod Kent dead. So <laughs> and then moving on. <laughs> Uh, we also have M Dog Zod.
4: Kneel before me. <laughs>
3: you no. Totally bu- now you bungled the line. You bungled ah, it. Ah, boo. <laughs> <laughs> Kneel before Zod, you dumbass. Yeah, 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 yeah. And finally, we also have Shadow Scout Lang.
5: <laughs> Pin up and away. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, leave it to you with the vague references. <laughs> <laughs> Uh we 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 have a fantastic show for you tonight since we have a very special guest. Uh we have writer, teacher, and recent recipient of the MacArthur Genius grant uh joining us. He has had numerous critically acclaimed graphic novels as well as successful runs on both Dork in both Dark Horse and DC comic properties. He is modest I think, yeah, he doesn't stop him from being awesome, ladies and gentlemen. I present to you, Gene Lun Yang. Hey guys, <laughs> thanks for having me. Whoa! Excited nice to be here. Yay! Yay. Yay. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you for Thank joining you. us. Uh, Thank you. For, First of all, congratulations on the grant. Thank you. <laughs> it was so, uh, it was nuts. It was a crazy thing. <laughs> So, so how does it feel to be an official genius? Well, you know, I still can't get out of doing dishes. Like every time oh. my wife
6: asks me to do dishes, I'm like, I'm a genius, and it doesn't work. So until
1: that happens,
6: I feel like I feel like it's you know, I mean, it's awesome. It just doesn't work as well in my house. It, it, so, it, it, so, yeah, you got so essentially... to remember to pre
4: rinse their genius.
3: <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the kind of conversation that we're still having. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, so it must have been crazy. It's been a crazy year for you between the awards, uh, your work with DC, and other projects that you're working on.
6: It's been a crazy year. Yeah, it really has been. I, I've I've been uh, really lucky. I've been really blessed for sure.
3: I mean, it, it, anything notable, uh, you know, that stands out to you outside of the grant? Before, outside of the grant? Well, yeah that that was uh, that was
6: in and of itself. At the at the beginning of the year, um, I um. I was uh, named the national ambassador for young people's literature, which is like it's like the fanciest title I've ever had for for anything. But it's this position that's uh, given out by um, the Library of Congress uh, and and the Children's Book Council and uh, Every Child a Reader. The whole point is to to get both more kids reading and kids reading more. And the way I do that is I go and I do like school visits and, and speeches. So the whole year has just been. Pretty travel heavy. Like up at, before this, I'd been doing a decent amount of travel. I probably probably did a, a trip a month, but like this past fall, I I had a flight a week. I think since. Oh, wow. It was a, it was a, it was a nutty thing. I've never done anything like that before.
3: Uh Jet lag much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which yeah. I guess
6: is why like when I'm home, I have to do dishes, right? Because otherwise, my wife <laughs> is home with the kids and. <laughs>
5: Yep. Blame oh. the travel on the dishes. Yep,
3: that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so so did you think all those years ago when you were making comics as a kid, uh would lead you to where you are now? No, absolutely not. It's it's um I, I feel like so I grew up in the eighties and
6: the comic book industry today is almost unrecognizable, right? Like like if you had, if you had told, I started reading comics in fifth grade. If you had told me in fifth grade that the New York Times would have a graphic novel bestseller list, that everybody in America would know what a graphic novel actually was, you know, that that um, the biggest movies in the theater would be all all be based on on comic book properties, I, I think all of that is just uh, shocking. And that that comics comics would be be winning national book awards and and be winning you know Pulitzer prizes. All that is—it was—it would have been unimaginable in the mid '80s, and now it's a common occurrence.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
6: Now people take it for granted. Like people don't remember what it used to be like, and 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 you know how much of an uphill battle it was just to get people to take comics seriously. It's yeah, actually I mean, it's almost swung the other way now, right? Where yeah. where it actually you have to to kind of fight to get. Um, like the direct market, you have to fight to get the direct market to pay attention to kids' comics now, whereas before mm. it was like you had to fight to get the direct market to pay attention to comics that dealt with serious issues,
3: yeah, no, absolutely, so, okay, and dog, yes, it's okay, you remember <laughs> the whole thing about us three doing the interview, remember yeah. It's your turn, do you have your question? <laughs> <laughs>
5: I oh, do well, apologize. We're, we're
3: normally a little, right a little right bit more polished this. than this. Yeah, we're a little bit <laughs> more polished than this normally. Yeah, normally we are. <laughs> it's, it's, it's mostly me that does it, but, uh, you know, I decided Shadow and m Dog, you know, help out on this one, and already we've screwed the pooch.
4: It's the, okay. it's the end of the year, man. It's the end of the year. I yeah, I know. Everyone's just, like, you know, gone into end of year mode already.
3: Exactly. Oh, we're so keeping
1: that in editing. I'm telling you. Uh.
4: Okay okay well i did have a question like how does it feel going from 10 years ago doing american-born chinese to today i mean doing you know superman for dc comics like how how did you how did you even get to that leap like how did you go from like you know your own independent book all the way to like you know one of the big two and you know writing one of their biggest characters (laughs)
6: Yeah, it was a, uh, it was that that was a nutty thing too. You know, uh, American War Tenny started off as a, as like a black and white Xerox comic. So I would finish a chapter, I'd go to my local Kinko's, Xerox copy, uh, maybe a hundred copies, and then um, sell them at. There are a couple of stores in the East Bay that would carry mini comics like that on consignment. So I'd sell them there. I'd sell them at local shows. And at the end of the day, if I sold like a dozen, I'd be pretty happy with myself. So yeah. to go from that to having American More Chinese come out yeah. as a full-color graphic novel was, was pretty shocking. And then this, this DC thing um, came about uh, maybe two years ago. Two, two years ago, my, my agent and somebody at DC, I don't even know who, was, was, they were having a
3: <laughs> conversation. Someone. <that> came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
6: yeah, I have no idea. That was like, it, was like a, it was like a meeting of the Illuminati, but I was not invited but I don't <laughs> the of the of the, uh, of the conversation. Oh
3: yeah. man! So
6: I don't know. I don't really know how that happened. I have to say though, like, um, it's a it's a pretty big leap. Not necessarily in terms of the size of the audience, mm-hmm. but in terms of the way the comics are produced. Even though graphic novels and monthly superhero comics are the same medium. The way they're made is like completely different so it was like a, it was like jumping into an uh an icy cold pool that's what it felt like to go from from comics to to super from graphic novels to superhero comics okay
5: Hmm. and gene i know you have a really great relationship with first second books um i was just wondering you know what have you learned working with various editors to get your brand of storytelling out there
6: um it's it's really different so first second um all the projects that i've done with first second have been pretty personal projects so even when i'm working with a collaborator correct collaborator so far at least all of the the projects have, have started with just an idea i had and um and in the way first second works uh i think um the creators that work with them have a lot of control so mm-hmm. the notes that i get back from my first second editors are like suggestions. I mean, that's how I think of them. I think of them as suggestions. Whereas with um, with Dark Horse, and w- especially with DC, it is mm-hmm. definitely not a suggestion when you get it no back.
1: <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, but, but at the same time, I, I do think there's something about working in a pre-existing world with pre-existing characters that is a lot of fun and, and really satisfying. Uh, and, and there's also something about the collaborative process, too, which is a lot of fun. So so with um, with First, Second when i'm collaborating at most i'm collaborating with one other person you know and and it becomes like this it's just like a really intimate working environment whereas with the dark horse stuff um i i got to collaborate with uh, mike Martino and Brian kanitzko for the creators of avatar and that was awesome it was awesome to get to see how yeah. these two amazing world-class storytellers approach story and then with superman i mean i was jumping into like this universe right and and especially the way the supergroup was working while I was writing the the main Superman title. Um, that was the first time I ever experienced the writers' room. You know, we we would we would get together either on the phone or in person, and and try to break down the story. And and, uh, and that was also the first time I experienced telling a story in like a live universe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like like Avatar. It was in a universe, but I was writing the only book that was in that universe. Whereas with DC things would happen in other corners of the universe that would affect our book right the, yeah. one of the one of the best things about working on on superman is i got to work with um greg pak you know greg hey,
1: pak yeah
6: superstar oh. comic book writer he he yes. was writing action comics uh while i was writing superman and he really acted like my mentor and he mm-hmm. he basically told me he said when you're writing superhero comics it is like improv like people throw things at you and then you just got to work it into your routine. So that's, that's kind of what, what that year was like. It was, it was uh, I felt like I, I learned a ton
5: from, from being in that environment. And so what would you say in terms of, um, I know this is near and dear to your heart, the, the we need diverse books discussion, how important are editors, um, in that?
6: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, uh, maybe I've just been lucky, but it seems like everybody I've worked with closely is, is kind of on board with that, you know? Um, and, uh, and and it seems like, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a discussion that's happening on, on the other side as well, right? It's not Mm -hmm. just readers uh, on Twitter and on Facebook that are talking about this. It's also publishers and, and editors and authors and artists. We all want stories to reflect the the world that we live in we live in a more diverse world we live in a more colorful world we want our stories to be colorful as well but at the same time especially in superhero comics there does seem to be like it i feel like it's hard it's a little harder with superheroes and i i can almost feel the reason inside of myself right like like superheroes for whatever reason are, they're, they're they're deeply tied to nostalgia. Even for, I've noticed this, even for, like, young superhero fans, like, a 12-year-old or 13-year-old or 14-year-old fan will feel nostalgia for something that they were not alive for, you know? They'll be like, oh, yeah, the Phoenix saga was amazing, and I'd be like, that was 10 years before you were born. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, so because of that, I, I, I don't even necessarily, like... I, I think because of that, it gets tied like like race ends up being this weird thing. You know what I mean? Like I feel it. I feel attached to the superhero characters that I grew up with, mm-hmm. who are by largely white. Like a Kryptonian is in there, uh, a yeah. uh, Martian mm-hmm. is in there, but but largely they're white, right? Um, and 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 deep down in like the the animal nether regions of my fanboy brain, I feel it. I I feel mm-hmm. how those particular characters. Have a deeper pull on me than some of the, the newer characters that are, are, are more reflective of our world today
4: okay Now has there uh, been any uh, time where like you and your editors have been at odds over certain decisions? I mean I imagine, especially at Dark Horse in DC, sometimes they have you know a definitive idea and there can be like a dispute between you as the talent versus the editorial staff and what's going on.
6: yes, of course, of course, (laughs) of course that happens with with uh, with with first second. um, I'll say so with first second, because the ideas all start have all at least for all the books that I've worked on, all the ideas have started with me. It's in the beginning. It's just me and the editor or the editors who are working on the project getting on the same page. And after that, the discussions are all about, you know, does this further the initial vision of this project is does this get to the heart of the project with avatar, the last airbender that property hasn't been around for that long, right? The show got started in 2005. It's a relatively new property and the people who created it are still alive. So when I was working on that project, it was more about staying true to the universe and the spirit of the, of the stories that had already been established. I knew that going in that it would, it would be like that. Right. I wanted to, mm-hmm. I wanted to, talk about things that I was passionate about and that I was interested in, but I wanted as much as possible to cleave to the storytelling voice that was already established. With Superman, it was like another ball of wax. It was like that was the craziest writing environment I've ever been in, and it's because that character <laughs> has been around for so long, and has, he has meant so many different things to different people. Yeah. He has gone through these different eras, and um, and I almost think that, like, when you're talking about a superhero universe, this is just my own pet, like cockamamie theory, but I think that a universe, because there's so many minds working on it, it almost gets like this collective unconscious or this collective spirit that um, that almost like it almost drives everything else. So Superman's gone through eras where he's been a beacon of hope. He's gone through eras when he's been. Um, much more of a of a of a conflicted character. He's gone through eras when he's been almost godlike. He's gone through eras when he's been an everyman. And <laughs> the era in which I entered was one where um, he was turning away oh. from everything that had made him Superman before. You know what I mean? Right. So that, was it it me. the, that was sort of that was the come, that was the did you the right feeling round? of the universe at the time when I got in. Did you come in right around grounded? I came in. I came in right. No. Uh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I came in right around grounded. It was so he They had introduced a, that new superpower right before yeah, I got on. Right. right.
4: Yeah. Yep. The solar flare with
6: the, with the solar flare. Yeah. And then and he got drunk for the first time in the issue before I came. You know, <laughs> <Which was hilarious. laughs> yeah. yeah, that was the that was a Superman I came into. It was uh, I mean, it was a, it was a huge learning experience. It was fun. Uh, I felt like uh, um, I felt like I definitely built my chops, uh, but at the same time, it was it, out of like out of my entire 20 years in comics. That was by far the roughest.
3: Wow. Hmm. Shadow, Shadow. shadow. Yeah,
5: yeah no, I have um, tons of questions. Um...
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> you, you you seem so mesmerized
3: by. I know, Done. <laughs>
5: I, I, mean, that, I, I, I am in the gig zone right now. You have no idea. So, Bean, <laughs> so I really, I really like the the concept of books as ambassadors. Um, can you tell us about your platform, Re- reading without walls?
6: Yeah, sure. So, so every um, national ambassador picks some some kind of platform that they want to talk about. So, something that they want to focus on. Uh, I had a meeting last november two novembers ago with yeah. people from the library of congress and children's book council and and people from first second and we just it was like a two-hour meeting and we just talked talked it through we ended up on on reading without walls in part because at the time there was a lot of talk about walls in the news And I'm a little bit shocked that we're actually still talking about it. It's been like a year and we're still talking about walls. But in in any case, in any case, um, the point of reading without walls is to get kids to read outside of their comfort zones. And specifically, number one, we want kids to read about characters that don't look like them or live like them. Two, we want them to read about topics that they might find kind of intimidating. And three, we want them to read in different formats. We don't want them to just stick with, like, Prose books, or or graphic novels, or poetry. Want them to, to read it all. Uh, so that's like this past this past year when I've been traveling, that's a lot of what I've been talking about is is doing that.
5: That's awesome. What was your very first uh, your very first reading without walls experience?
6: Oh, for me as a kid, yeah. You know, um, I actually think maybe it was like the Ramona books. That was the first oh, time. Yes, I was I like med yeah, do. God, I remember those. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, those are amazing, right? Yeah,
4: <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I'm going on I, I,
6: Yeah, with bees. Yeah, I, I actually, it's been a long time since I read those books. I, I have kids now. My daughters are obsessed with those books, but, but for me, <laughs> uh, like that was like the first time I think I, because um, I didn't grow up with sisters or anything. Yeah. So first time where I, I, I really got into the the head of a of a girl right and 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 yeah it wasn't like a a girl that fit with any sort of stereotypes ramona is kind of a a rambunctious kid so it's yeah. kind of awesome i think i think reading those books i saw a lot of myself in, in her love and it. then like superhero comics too superhero comics too i think um in a lot of ways i think like early superhero comics are super jewish i, I don't i don't right. know if they- on purpose. <laughs> I don't know don't on purpose, but like, but like, like Superman, right? So Superman is, is like, people talk about Superman as a Jesus figure. I think that's wrong. I think Superman yeah. is actually a Moses figure, right? And, um, and, and the fact that he is, uh, he's, a uh, he's of another culture. He's Kryptonian, but he can pass, you know what I mean? Like he can pass, right. as-
1: Yeah, that really
6: oh. reflected the, the Jewish experience of, like the 40s of the of the 30s and 40s when he came out, you know. Um, so so just like just like Jews in the World War II era, Jews in America, a lot of Jews could pass, but deep down inside, they knew they were different. Just like Superman did. So I, I think um, I think like reading superhero comics as the child of immigrants, um, it was both a reading without walls experience where I was getting sort of this uh, this view of somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. through this lens with capes and tights and i was also having a piece of my own experience reflected back because i also like just like superman i grew up with two cultures i grew up with two names all that kind of stuff and
3: that and that really sort of comes out in your writing as well because you know you bring you you work your your work centers around building empathy and these deconstructing otherness and while being fearless at the same time
6: I hope so. I hope so. I, I think that's the, like the the themes that I end up getting drawn to are all about creating identity and and trying to take um, like trying to trying to take two or more cultures that might not fit together and 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 building something whole out of it. I, I do think those are the kind of stories that I end up getting drawn to as well.
1: Hmm.
3: Now you you are a big proponent of the use of graphic novel format in education. Uh, what has been the main issue or what have been the main issues that you've dealt with in making this happen well
6: i i think um i think first of all i think it's kind of an, a, an amazing time to be uh, a comic book loving educator because i think mm-hmm. there are more resources yeah. than ever before like you can go online and you can find lesson plans for uh, tons and tons of graphic novels. Any graphic novel that has some sort of a shiny sticker on it, you'll be able to find a lesson plan for, right? And then even mm-hmm. beyond that, like at, at, in library schools and in teaching credential programs, they're actually actively teaching how to teach graphic novels. Oh, wow. So it's, uh, it's an amazing time. It's an amazing time to be a comic book-loving educator. At the same time, there are some corners in the American educational establishment that are still resistant, and I, and I yeah. think some of that resistant boils, mm-hmm. resistance boils down to like people thinking that comic books aren't real reading, you know, that sort of thing. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, but I mean, like for instance, I remember a few years ago we've had there were issues in I forgot what university uh, where people were like getting upset that certain books were being uh, being taught in the class, you know, graphic novels and they were complaining because oh it's got adult content in it. like persepolis i think was one of them if i yeah. remember correctly
4: and wasn't your book one of them because i swear Isn't, i remember yeah
3: i've heard i've heard a little bit i've heard a little bit about uh, about my
6: book you know <sighs> um
1: yeah Yeah, i
6: I I think it's because it's because like when you flip through a graphic novel you can see it right as opposed to when you're you know when you're flipping through a copy of lolita it doesn't hit you oh god yeah yeah, (laughs) across the head right um and 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 i guess in in that way it it makes comics a little bit easier of a target maybe Hmm. um i i just i don't know i i think that we live in such a visual culture right now right like we're surrounded by visual visual information and, and comics just leverage that in order to 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 tell their stories uh, when you learn how to read a comic i think you you really learn how to engage with visual information in a really deep way are you guys fans of scott mcleod you
3: gotta be right. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, I have a couple of the books that. okay And I was actually when I was in you actually after uh, I got out of college, I picked up a couple of like <laughs> just nice. a couple yeah. of conceptual ones. So he's amazing,
6: but he, but he he hits on this a lot, right? About about how um, comics have so much overlap with the other visual media that we're surrounded by, and that's why he gets invited to like Google and and Netflix and. <laughs> all these tech companies who deal with in visual media to to lecture you'll you'll get there soon enough (laughs) that's that's actually like one of my lifelong dreams is to become asian scott McCloud.
3: that's that's what i want (laughs) (laughs) it's like no i got the genius grant instead
5: damn
3: (laughs) i've arrived yes
5: (laughs) So, Gene, if you had a moment to come up with a teacher top five for middle school students and for high school students for comic books for top five,
6: you? I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could narrow it down to just five. There's so many good ones right now, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so for um, for uh, for like the for the younger set, there's mm-hmm. all of Raina Telgemeier stuff. There's Jason Shiga. He did a book called Smile. His, have you do you know who Jason Shiga is? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. No, hard
1: I've hard heard of yeah. Smile.
6: Okay. Okay, so so Jason Shiga he did a book called Meanwhile that is like a choose your own adventure comic. Oh. It's almost like a maze and a comic had a baby. That's how that book reads. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. It's it's awesome. It's one of my favorite middle grade books of all time. Ben Hatke does a, a lot of really amazing stuff. And then, um, and then for the, I mean, there's just, there's just so much out there now for the, for the older kids, like for high school kids, there was this book that I'm so sad has, I think it's out of print now. People don't talk about it anymore, but it's called birth of a nation. It's written by Aaron Magruder. Do you know that book? Yes. 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 Oh, yes. It's so good. It's oh, amazing. Okay.
5: And
6: and I feel like, I feel like especially now that book um, would really resonate. It, would, yes. it 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 deals with really serious topics in this really funny and clever way. Uh I, I think I think that's, that's an awesome book. Um and and then um and then a lot of the actually a lot of the, the 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 superhero books from the other company are are really awesome for this set, too. I really like Squirrel Girl, I like Ryan North's stuff.
1: <laughs>
4: oh yeah, I love Squirrel Girl. That's, just, that's a great book. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it yes. amazing? It's just hilarious. <laughs>
6: yeah it's hilarious and he teaches binary numbers you know what i mean like he uses a superhero comic to teach binary numbers which i yep. I, I, found shocking. I
3: noticed that yeah i noticed that in the first volume of the marvel now run i did sort of notice that a little bit it was like wait a minute there's a pattern here <laughs> like, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah like he goes he goes full-on nerd ryan
6: north goes full and then and then of course ms marvel is absolutely amazing uh i i just started reading
3: mark wade's champions I
4: don't know how yes. Oh, I love Champions so far. I
3: need just, I got, I, got I bought the Yeah, I bought the first issue. I haven't read it yet. I've been a little busy. Oh, no, so you got to read it. <laughs> yeah, it is so good. It is so good. It just good. feels like a breath I'm of fresh, fresh air. air. <laughs>
4: yeah.
6: Yeah, and it's it's like it's like completely the opposite of like Grim and Greedy, right? It's like full of hope and it's just it's awesome. It's Mark Wade at Mark Wade's best. Yeah, no. Mark the Wayne, vision, the vision, yeah. I think, is like the best superhero comic to come out. God, oh
4: probably. God, yeah, yeah. It's breaking Bad with superheroes—that's what it really is.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I read that first volume. I'm like, uh, I feel depressed now, <laughs> 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 but in a good way because it was a very engaging kind of, of storyline. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it was great. Oh, you know what else is really good? So I, <laughs> so I'm, I'm worried
6: I'm, I'm gonna get in trouble for pushing all these Marvel books. So on the DC <laughs> side flintstones is freaking amazing Have oh my
4: god thing? yes i never expected that to be good and it's like this book is teaching you all these and ins- like all these lessons and backhand ways and it's like wow yes. yeah the yeah stone? i like the flintstones yeah they're doing a flintstones book. but yeah, so the gay good. marriage issue was amazing
6: yeah oh, every every issue has has been amazing so far it's oh. uh mark russell's the writer and he's uh He's a talent dude. That dude is a that dude is amazing. He's he's awesome. I in, in the beginning I was like reading it and I was like cuz at first when I heard about heard they were going to do the Flintstones I was like, "Oh my gosh, dc what is wrong with you?" <laughs> but, then, but then when I read the first issue, I couldn't decide whether it was actually good or whether my expectations were so low that as long as it was a decent book I would have thought it was good. But then like I read the second issue and the third issue and and, and uh it is. It is an amazing book. It is a phenomenal. Yeah. Book.
4: No, it's so fun. I was like, like I, like after the first issue, I honestly thought it was a joke. Like I was like, are, "Is he making fun of us here, or what's going on?" Yeah. And it's like he kept at it, and it's like, wow, there's all these like you know social issues that he's covering in a way that like you know is actually enjoyable.
6: Yeah, I agree. I agree, and he does it in such a clever way and and you you like you never feel judged or anything it's just uh, every, everything it is about it is amazing and then ben piercey i I'm, I'm a little bit behind but um uh he's like at least the issues of green arrow that i've read have been have been really amazing
4: yeah no green arrow has been a fun one too yeah.
5: Gene, <laughs> i love that um talking about your work now, um, that (laughs) Secret Coders uh, uses comics to get students really excited about math and computer science. You know, the STEM community loves it, but I really see your work as arts integration. Um, So, you know, STEAM versus STEM. What's your take on it? I mean, we all love a good versus story. So what what team are you on um, in the STEM versus STEAM? Uh, well,
6: I I am on the team that says that you do not have to choose one over the other. Is that kind that of is cheating? That? <laughs> that
3: is that kind of cheating? I I, ex- I accept that answer as an <laughs> artist. I accept that answer very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a an artificial
6: divide, right? Oh. And 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 I think it's kind of a modern artificial divide because it seems yeah. like back in the olden days. You know, regardless of a continent you were on, the people who are awesome at science or whatever was closest, whatever they considered close to science, you know, of 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 just discovering things about the natural world, those people were also artists. Those people were also the, the musicians. And it seems like it's a fair. Like I'm not a historian, I don't know. It seems like it's a fairly recent thing that that there's been this divide. You know, where people talk about left brain and right brain, which I think they found is is kind of a flawed way of looking at things now right yeah going left brain and right brain yeah yeah and and i really think that in in the modern world you have to use art to teach science and and you you can also use
3: science to make awesome art mm-hmm. i mean yeah i mean you know modern cg it all started off with uh math and yeah. science for got... the most part
4: you really have to have that creative element in there i mean it's like the science technology engineering math are good but like you need that artistic spark also to you know put everything together like you know you have a 3d printer and you can make a design but what can you do with it that's cool and it's like that's what you yeah. need the artist for
6: yeah yeah exactly exactly they i i feel like they really have to go Hand in hand. They definitely have to go hand in hand. And, and I'm excited that comics is finally jumping into that, too. So, for a second, um, just to push other people's bo- books a little bit more, for a second, putting out <laughs> the line of science comics... So they have one about dinosaurs, that's awesome. They have one about coral reefs. And I think they're doing like eight more next year. Or maybe yeah, like they have
4: more. a lot coming out because I saw the slate. Yeah. I saw your uh, Next Secret Coders book on that slate for 2017, actually. <laughs>
6: yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited about that, too. So we, we originally signed to do three Secret Coders, and then the first one did well enough that, that now we're doing six. So today wow. on, like we are, I'm, I'm two-thirds of the way through writing the final
3: volume, the sixth volume. So I'm I'm excited about that. Excellent. Uh yeah. switching gears, uh not only are you a well known for titles like American Born Chinese and Eternal Smile, but more recently, like we hinted earlier and talked about a bit, uh Avatar and the Superman titles. Uh so that you know, we you've been all over the map in terms of your career over the last ten, fifteen years. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think
6: I feel like I've I've been really lucky in that I, I've been able to explore these different areas of comics, you know. So my my love for comics definitely started in superheroes, mostly because in the '80s that was really what was available, you know. Yeah. Like when you when you went to the the local bookstore on that spinner rack, it was like ninety nine percent superheroes, and maybe there was like a, a, an Uncle Scrooge there alongside the superheroes. But then as I got older, I, I began to get interested in other areas of, of comics. I, I remember um, coming across Bone in mm. high school and, and being blown away. And then like the Hernandez Brothers stuff. And and then by the time I got into college and and uh, in like my early adulthood, like my, my young adulthood, like my early 20s, I was just really – I was like knee deep in the alternative stuff. Uh, and, and I think like – I still feel like my writer's voice is probably closer to that than it is to superheroes. But I, you know, I still have that childhood love
3: of, of superheroes. So it's been a ton of fun to work in the DC universe. Now, was it, was there any major change that surprised you shifting from the independent work to the more mainstream stuff or? Yeah,
6: like the, well, well, first like that, that my editor's notes were not suggestions. <laughs> 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 That's, surprising. That's surprising, and then and then even even beyond that, the amount of collaboration that it takes to make a superhero comic was um, was pretty shocking, and and also the like the the schedule of production is crazy in superheroes. I have a lot of admiration for anybody, like whether they're an editor, an artist, or a, a writer who's stuck in superheroes for a, a good long time. I mean, it takes it takes a lot to put those books out every month it's, it's and, and now like with dc like most of their books are are, are uh, twice a month that is just nuts um, oh, yeah. i'm still kind of shocked that all the editors are are like alive you know what i mean <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of crazy so so that that pace was totally different when i finish something for first second i turn it in it goes through copy editing for two months and then, uh, and then like a year later, it shows up on the shelf. Whereas with superhero, Superman and, and with the DC stuff, I turn in the script and like less than three weeks later – no, no, I'm sorry. That's not true. No, I turn in the script. A month later, we get the art. And then less than three weeks later, it's uh, on a shelf. Wow.
3: A lot faster turnaround. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize
4: it was that quick of a turnaround. No,
6: it is so fast. It is crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Now, I did have a – like you know continuing this whole editorial – demands thing question that we had going on with avatar or with yeah with avatar from dark horse like you're specifically working within a certain bubble of time like you know you're working from you know the end of the last airbender till the core period like i mean that's yes. your period how do you deal with the fact that you're kind of in a strict timeline and like you know you do have to like you know get a to b you're allowed all that space in between but Things have to line up for me from those points. Yeah,
6: like to... yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean. With uh, it, it was like that a, a little bit with with Superman too, as well. Um, at least in the in the first few issues, there are certain things that I had to hit at at certain times, right? And in Korra, we we know certain things are going to happen. Uh, we know that Ang and Katara going to get married. We know that they're going to have three kids. We know that. The, these colonies are going to develop into, um, you know, the, the the this like almost fantastical city that Korra set in. Mm. Uh, we know that all this technology is going to progress in a in a very specific way. We know the Equalists are going to come up. So all of those were like targets that I had to hit. But the way I I hit those targets, I felt like I had a lot of leeway. You know, I, oh. I felt like I got a decent amount of creative elbow room so you know i said how i said how with dark horse and with dc like the editor's notes are are not suggestions but sometimes it's actually a good thing i think i i I would say a lot of the time it's it's been a good thing a lot of the time um the notes even notes that i disagree with will end up uh, pushing me in a direction that'll that'll make better ideas come out so i'll give you an example so one of the things was um early on i had to realize this that uh because the original Avatar uh, cartoon was was um, seven and up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the even though the the books were meant for kids that were a little bit older, they still wanted it to be appropriate for younger kids. Right. So there were like the the scripts didn't just go through Mike and Brian. It didn't just go through a story editor. It also went through Nickelodeon's legal department, who looked at all wow. <laughs> And we would get we would get notes from them. Right. So. So the notes from our editor were not suggestions. The notes from the legal department were definitely not suggestions. And
1: one
6: of the the notes that came back early was that we were not allowed to use the word death. So I had actually introduced this character in the beginning who was kind of like obsessed with death. (laughs) Like I had wished they had told me this before. Uh, but he was, he was like super afraid of everything, ex- especially death. That, that was like his whole shtick. Um, and, uh, and that was kind of a bummer that they, you know, I had finished the script and then they, they brought this up, but then ultimately we ended up like, changing it to doom. Uh, so he would just be afraid of a general doom as opposed to, you know, death specifically. <laughs> and I have to say it like worked way better, you know, cause he was supposed to be funny and doom is way more funny than death. Right. So it, yeah. it uh, that's, that's one of the examples of. A note that I didn't agree with right away, but ultimately let, ended up, like it, we ended up in a better place because of that
3: note. Okay, that's well, cool. We learned in the Marvel comics that Doom is way funnier than Death, so you know. Richards, <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: right. That's
3: right.
5: <laughs> well, not to sound like the teacher's pet, because I was so that kid, um, but. <laughs> but uh... for, for my reading without walls challenge, I'm currently reading your graphic novel, The Shadow Hero, and loving it. Oh, boom! Um, awesome. you yes. for reading it. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. I I, I love the mom in the book. Um, can you talk a bit about the process of uncovering this history and mystery of the first Asian American superhero and giving this character some voice and visibility?
6: Yeah, I mean it's he's possibly the first Asian American superhero, right? Yeah, like we don't possibly. know for sure. We don't know for sure. Uh, but um, but I first found him on the internet, which is where you go to to find crazy things like this. It was on a blog called Pappy's Golden Age Blog Zine. Have you seen this this blog yet? It's no. awesome. You Let should check, check it out. out Happy's Golden Age blog zine. It's all about these crazy characters from like the 40s, all these crazy superhero characters that nobody remembers anymore. So one day he featured the Green Turtle, who's a character that dates back to World War II. Uh, the Green Turtle is not is, uh, an awesome character. He, he's basically a Batman ripoff. about right for He uh, operated out of a turtle cave. He drives a turtle plane, total Batman robot,
1: and he's worse than Batman. He
6: doesn't wear pants. He doesn't wear pants. He doesn't wear a shirt. All he has I know. is a speedo. Uh, so, I, I, well, I, I don't
0: think like the name of a character named the Green Turtle like excites fear from criminals. I mean, I expect a very slow crime fighter.
6: Agreed. Agreed. And even worse, <laughs> even worse. So his 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 creator is a is a Chinese American. He's he uh, a guy named Chu Hing, one of the first Asian Americans to work in the American comic book industry. And even worse is this. Like like turtle is an insult in Chinese, and it's an insult specifically because of the way the turtle's head looks. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> you you see what I mean? Like, I'm, oh my gosh, you see what I mean? Okay. So for him to choose that was just so weird, you know? But in any case, in any case, (laughs) um, he's not a great character, but there is something interesting about him. And and the the interesting thing is that there's a rumor. And the rumor is, Chu Hing wanted his character to be a Chinese American like he himself was, but his publisher wouldn't let him do it. His publisher felt like a Chinese American superhero would not sell. uh, And Chu Hing gets kind of passive aggressive after he does this after after his publisher tells him to do this and he draws these early green turtle comics so that you almost never see the character's face in almost every panel he has his back turned towards you or if he's if he's facing you something's blocking his face right like either he's punching and his arm is in the way or another character is standing right there you you can't like you almost never get a full shot of what he looks like his whole face <laughs> yeah. and the rumor is that Chu-Hing did this so that he could imagine his character as he intended, as a, a Chinese-American. I don't know if that rumor's true, but that's what's out there. That's what Pappy yep. wrote about on his blog, you know? And, yeah. and, and I did go around to, like, different comic book conventions and look, uh, looking for these original issues, so I talked to some Golden Age collectors, and a few of them had heard about this rumor, but nobody knew for sure if it was true. Huh.
4: Oh, I did have a question, to, just following up on this. Like, for a character like that, since, I mean, it is public domain and everything, is there any kind of legal wrangling you still have to do, or are you basically just free and clear?
6: Oh, dude. Yeah, there was. There was. <laughs> there was. I ended up having to make an LLC because of this stupid book. Wow. Um, <laughs>
4: uh,
6: yeah, it, it was because my my agent wanted to make sure that I was protected just in case something happened. And that's why it's called the Shadow Hero too, instead of the Green Turtle. Like, originally I wanted to call it just the Green Turtle. Mm-hmm. But um, there are, like, some trademark issues and uh and some other yeah. funky things and i think i think alex ross ran into some of the same stuff right when he was doing superpowers um, um th- oh yeah wasn't right. like,
0: it wasn't like a problem with, like Watchmen also had that thing with originally gonna be all charlton heroes but they couldn't get the rights
1: yeah
6: oh no it was uh with with Watchmen. i'd heard that it was because like dc owned the rights but they just didn't want to kill him they didn't want to kill the question you know what i mean yeah yeah that's that's what i thought yeah they didn't want um captain adam to go crazy
4: Oh. <laughs> they didn't want to paint a yeah. bad light on all those characters yes exactly exactly
3: and now they folded it into the marvel con- uh, into the dc continuum yes <laughs> yes <did>. yeah
6: Why? <laughs> wait so, can i ask i can't comment i can't comment because I, yeah well,
4: oh you know I'm actually i'm part of the team keep reading.
6: can i ask you can i ask you like how you how, what you think about that
4: Oh, it's just driving me nuts since uh, Rebirth. the original Rebirth issue came out and we found out, like, you know, something is going on. And we've been getting hints and clues in various titles. And it's just like, driving me nuts. I want to know what's actually going on. Who's Oz? And it's like, how is there that button in uh, Batman's cave and all this stuff? It's like, I want to just know what the answer is because it's driving me nuts.
6: Okay. So, in other words, it's working.
4: Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's just such, like, a stunning hook. It's like you wouldn't, like, you know, if somebody told you 10 years ago Watchmen's going to be folded into the main DC universe, you would never believe them.
0: Uh, the squid-caused Flashpoint
3: paradox. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like how Gene is just sort of, like, holding the cars close to his chest right now. Oh, like,
4: God, just the fact <laughs> that you have to stay quiet through conventions and everything else about this.
6: <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the thing. That's the thing. Otherwise, they send Joker out to kill you.
3: That's what happens.
1: <laughs> but which one? <laughs>
3: yeah. but which one? Is it, yeah. is it the, is yeah, it the Jared Leto one, or is it the... No, <laughs> <Romero>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: The funny one is the funny one. <laughs>
4: Now, I did have a question since we are on rebirth and all. Um, new Superman. We got to bring that up since you are yes, currently writing that. Away. Yeah, new Superman. Uh, Kenan Kong, the ex, you know, the title character, new Superman. He's you know taken just basically the I'm Iron Man approach to his secret identity <laughs> and just said, screw it. It's like you know, I am Superman because you know I want the attention. That's kind of bizarre for DC in general because they have never like you know been big on public identities for the masked characters but was this something you specifically wanted it or was this like an editorial mandate or how did this come about where you know Keenan wouldn't have a private identity he would be a public superhero
6: yeah that was that was actually um that was actually my idea that was uh that, that was not an editorial mandate and and but they and they were super excited about it too I mean I think early on what we wanted was we wanted a character that was very very different from Clark Kent like almost the opposite mm-hmm. so yeah. where Clark is reserved this this kid would not be where Clark is a man for others this this kid would at least in the beginning be a man for himself you know uh, and yeah so the whole arc would be about how receiving superman's power changes him to become more like superman so that's that's ultimately where we're going to go
4: okay um now this follow-up question about superman it's like there's always the common complaint that it's too difficult to write superman it's like how do you how did you approach your like you know your take on superman and i mean now you got a second character named superman how did you approach the fact that like you know it's quote unquote too difficult I mean, is that even? do you think that's even true? <laughs>
6: yes, that is totally true. That is absolutely true. 100%. It is 100% true. And, and it isn't just true because of the way the character himself is constructed. You know what I mean? Like, if story is about character arcs and character arcs are about growth, when you have a character start off as essentially perfect, like, that's who he is. He's, he's the ideal man. Uh, it becomes very hard to construct an arc for him, you know? Uh, like right. the company dark from, um, so so er, er, early on, early on uh, in our discussions with you know Greg Pak and Pete Tomasi and and Aaron Kuder who are all working on uh, on uh, the the superhero titles we talked about, like what what would be the most difficult things that we could throw at this character for him to deal with? And that, and that, that was kind of our approach. You know, the way I found my connection with him, though, is really be through, like, his immigrant story, the fact that he was born in a different culture, um, and, um, and, and, and the fact that he has to negotiate between these two different sets of expectations. I don't know how much of that came through in my run. Like, in my run, I think the, the piece that I'm proudest of, I'm happiest with, is from... 45 through 47 where he, he comes to Oakland and he gets involved in this underground wrestling ring. I, so I am, um, th- this is a, uh, this is an aside. The reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to put him in a wrestling ring was because I was trying to bring back the, the, the red underwear. I know that's super. <laughs> useful, I, wanted there, I wanted there to be an historic reason oh, why he had his red underwear back. But, but it, it didn't, so work. Cool. That didn't work
4: didn't. oh <laughs> right. i wanted them back i was like when they showed off the new car- costume it's like where are the underwear it, uh, it is it? them
0: uh, it seems like red underwear is out altogether at
4: um... <laughs> yeah it's like the mandate at dc is no more undies
0: no no red underwear yeah. we're going
4: commando <laughs> yeah, yeah. We,
6: can,
0: we can have we can have a fake belt we can have fake
6: be- pecs no underwear no underwear. Yes, no underwear on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt like that was what made him kind of – that was what expressed his Supermanness, right? Like, he was so perfect, so ideal that he could freaking wear his underwear on the outside and you would still have to take him yeah. as a real yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
4: it was kind of like a circus no. strongman look. No. That was the whole idea yeah. I always thought. Yes, yeah.
6: the circus strongman look.
1: Well, you have to ask boxers a brief, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> true.
4: Now, does Superman actually wear underwear underneath his costume?
3: These are kind of questions. You have to ask yeah. the artists. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You need to ask the DC editorial board at that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, when I draw Superman.
0: <laughs> somewhere, somewhere, Elliot, Elliot S. Magan is listening to us and thinking,
3: "What?" <laughs> <laughs> now, now, you also in the new Superman, you also have uh, Batman and Wonder Woman. Uh, it, it basically, they're like the Chinese versions of you know their counterparts. Yes, that's right. uh, Was there any kind of statement you were trying to make with with that or was it just straight up yeah
6: yeah absolutely absolutely i um i was kind of inspired by my own experiences growing up so i grew up in a chinese american catholic church Mm uh and and i was just like the relationship between china and the roman catholic church is really it's, it's like pretty intense. So I grew up hearing about it, you know, uh, w- what happened was right after in China, right after the communists came into power, um, they tried to outlaw all religion, any faith. They, they wanted um, a, a purely atheistic state. Right. And, and after a while, they realized they just couldn't do it because people would gather together in their own private homes and practice secretly, like yeah. all the different faiths. So the way they decided to deal with that was to create. A, a state-sanctioned official version of every major world religion. So to this day, in China, there is a state-sanctioned version of the Catholic faith. There's a state-sanctioned version of Protestantism, of Islam, of Buddhism, of Hinduism, all the major world religions. So when I was a kid, I would hear a lot about the state-sanctioned version, which is called the the Patriotic Version. Right? It's the Patriotic Catholic okay. Church. And also the Underground Church, which was the one that was loyal to Rome, and the mm-hmm. relationship between these two churches would fluctuate. So sometimes they would kind of almost act like partners, and there would be bishops that would be recognized by both, and then sometimes they were, they were on opposite ends of the spectrum, and the underground church would have to go really underground, you know? So it would fluctuate back and forth. That's And that's that's what I would hear about at, at church. That's what I would hear about the, the adults talking about, you know? So, in the DC universe, um, superheroes almost function... Like religion, the, like the way religion does in the in the real world. So, uh, in the DC universe, shortly after superheroes start appearing in America, they start appearing in China. And originally, it's like a grassroots thing, grassroots thing, just like just like religion in in China, in the early communist years, right? And and the way the government deals with it is they create the Ministry of Self Reliance, which is almost like a Chinese Argus. But instead of working with superheroes, they try to suppress them. It doesn't work. So this is the this is the second effort. This is the um, we're we don't want these grassroots superheroes. So we're going to make state-sanctioned versions of superheroes, and we're going to put them out. And hopefully, the grassroots ones will go away. That's that's the idea. So um, so the the reason why they're Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman is because those are the the official versions. Right. The tr- yeah. The Trinity. The
4: okay. Yeah. Now, I did have a follow-up on that. Like, I mean. China is using, you know, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman's names. Are there, like, in-universe any sort of copyright, trademark concerns? I mean, does Bruce Wayne own Batman, Inc., so technically he would own the Batman <laughs> name, so couldn't, like, you know, he have a fleet of lawyers going over there, and it's like, what the hell are you doing calling yourself Batman? <laughs>
6: Yeah, I mean so so
3: that's what the, that's where the dash comes in, right? That's where that little hyphen yeah. comes in. <laughs> that's the thirty percent right there, the thirty yep. percent change. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly
6: it.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah.
6: Well wow. so now now from from now on, in, in the D C universe in Chinese media, when you say Superman you actually mean um, the new Superman. And yeah. for, for Clark Kent you would have to say the American Superman.
4: Okay. Now I got to say, I do love one design choice in the. I mean, I love new Superman to begin with, but I love this design choice you have where the text is color coded. So like anything spoken in Chinese is one color and anything spoken in English or another language. I think like English is blue, blue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like it, it'll switch like like it's neat like there's this flow where it's like Chinese 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 and then like English words are just interjected here and there. And it's just like a, it's a neat little functional choice. I wasn't sure if it was yeah, like it it's, you it's or... very
3: similar it's very similar to how Orson Scott Card did in in the Ender's books where he would put the Portuguese or and then like the English afterwards. It, it's sort of like a good take on that.
6: Uh yeah I mean um yeah. Hope Larson's doing something similar in, in Batgirl as well mm. I, I
4: oh yeah that. yeah she is yeah that's a fun run yeah, too
6: really cool really really cool yeah the, way, the Fruit
4: way Bat. that was a neat character
6: yeah <laughs> I agree I think she was yeah Fruit Bat was awesome Hope Larson in general is is an amazing writer but uh but that was something that I I talked with the editors about early on um because you know the the convention up until now has been to use those pointy brackets yeah and mm. it felt like in a book set in China that just didn't work, right? You would have to put everything in freaking pointy brackets <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's like it's practically your entire script right there.
6: <laughs> yes, it's it's all there'd be too many pointy brackets. So so the the color felt like uh, a better way to go.
4: No, it's a really nice neat choice and it's just like surprising like you get like you know used to it and suddenly it's suddenly it's like just chinese and then suddenly you have an english word and it's like your language flow like change like my in my head like the language flow suddenly changes for a second like because i can imagine the break in language from chinese to english mm. awesome. and it's just like it's just a neat choice
3: yeah no it's, yeah. a, it's a great re- graphical reference to be going back and forth yeah that i mean that's something that's something
6: that we were hoping for I, the, the way i was picturing it in my head is if an English speaker were standing in China, what would be the words that they would be able to recognize? You know, the English yeah. words would be interjected and those would yeah. be the ones. Blue. It'd
0: be yeah. like, like it'd probably be like stuff like say,
3: boo-boo guy pan and you say something yes. offensive in the process. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: That's always the one it is. It's like, Oh, it's only really going to be the worst, the most bad stereotypes you launch. You latch on to. Yeah. Uh,
3: so Hollywood is come, has has Hollywood come calling yet, uh, or do you have any aspiration um, for any of your property?
6: Had, yeah, we've had some uh, we've had some talks. We've had some talks uh, <laughs> with with folks in Hollywood. Nothing has come over it, uh, come out of those talks as of yet. But um, I, I do have, like, I do have an agent that um, my literary agent is in contact with, and, and we have talks periodically. I don't know. I, I think it'd be a ton of fun to to have something that I worked on make it to either, like, the big screen or the small screen. But at the same time, I'm like a comics guy, you know what I mean? Like, the comic yeah. is a product. If nothing ever happens beyond the comic, I'm not going to die unfulfilled. Whereas if the comic didn't come out, I would have died unfulfilled,
3: you know? <laughs> Well, no, I mean, because, like, how, how you write would definitely lead towards, like, a television scenario. Definitely. You know, very episodic in the way that you you know, it could very, be very, it could be adapted very easily to an episodic kind of scenario
6: well thanks I, thanks i mean it'd be fun it'd be super fun if that happened it'd be it'd be, it'd be great but the comic for me is the thing you know right. that
1: is yeah the thing. yeah
4: now uh outside of superman do you have a certain a particular dream project or dream character you really do want to work with or maybe like one great story for a character that you have in mind that you haven't got a chance to do yet
6: my dream project, uh, okay. So my dream project at um at Marvel, I don't think I'll ever really get to do this. My dream <laughs> project at Marvel would be to do a Frogman story. You know who that oh, character?
4: Oh no! Oh, the Spider-Man villain. He's my favorite. Yeah, he's a... <laughs> <favorite>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be that would be neat. It's like someone so you... just get Spider-Man editorial on the line.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my dream dro- job at uh at marvel and then at dc it's um wonder twins so i'm like, I'm oh my like <laughs> so here's, here's my take on wonder twins here's here's the here's the take i wanted would want to do on wonder twins is you know how like they look vaguely asian yeah you they do how, yeah. yeah they look vaguely asian because that was that was the way like back in the 70s and 80s you would express that somebody was alien by making them vaguely, vaguely asian just like how like Spock looks vaguely Asian, right? Like, yeah,
0: it's yeah. Well, it's but like the antithesis know, of like the early '90s, where to make somebody look less Asian, you would make give them green skin.
6: Yes,
4: exactly. Ming oh exact, the Merciless, exact,
0: <laughs> man, uh, yeah, like Mandarin on the Iron Man cartoon. Yeah. That's
6: exactly it. Yeah. So, so my my take on the on like what I would want to do with the Wonder Twins is I would want to do it as his like as a historical piece set in the 1970s. They um, would be uh, uh, Filipino immigrants. Who um, are their their powers come from connections into Filipino mythology, yeah. and the and, and then they can't get any traction. Nobody cares about Filipino American superheroes, and then when they start saying that they're from this other planet. Then then they get traction. And like, oh
4: my god, that, that would, would be awesome. awesome. That'd be a great movie even. Yeah. Oh, Just like you know, like we're these superheroes and suddenly it's like no one's buying us, it's like what can we do? It's like well cares. we got these it's like we got these Spock ears, so let's put them on yeah. ourselves and call ourselves aliens. Yes, and then they Dude. get traction. And then the, Dude, oh my god i would that, watch that you need to
3: pitch that immediately <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that's your hollywood pitch right yeah. there
0: yeah, like... <laughs> you, just to, you just have to explain why jace always turns into a form of water and you're sad. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Exactly, <laughs> and that's the best don't you think like it's so stupid that it's amazing that's what that yeah. is <laughs> is. Yeah.
4: Yeah, Jana would always turn into a tiger or something awesome and then jace would just turn into a a few A ice cubes,
6: of Water,
4: or just like you know, unpleasant steam mist, so the villain doesn't have wrinkly clothes.
5: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh god. Oh man.
4: Now I gotta follow up on that. Was uh, was the eternal time? Was the eternal smile basically your backdoor pitch for Ducktales?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah, I uh, I I love Uncle Scrooge. I love like Don Rosa and Carl Barks. You know who they are? They're like, yes. You know, oh, you know, they're Carl, gods. They really are. They really are. I think, I think they are so masterful, especially Don Rosa. Nowadays, I don't feel like, I just don't feel like he gets enough respect in America,
4: you know? No, he for, does not. For, I mean, I have, like, I love my old copy of Life and Adventures of Scrooge McDuck.
6: <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's classic. That, that is like, that should be required reading in any comic book.
4: it's just like just amazing that he, like he put together his stuff now are you going to like you know i mean you know ducktails is coming out again next year maybe, maybe i know comic bo- maybe they need a comic book adaptation
6: <laughs> i would i would want don rosa to do it although i doubt he would i doubt yeah he would
0: do it. i think yeah, yeah. does not like don rosa always say like please do not
6: ask me about DuckTales. i have never watched it i want nothing to do with it <laughs> yeah 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 i love DuckTales too when i was a kid but mostly because i saw the you know, they had a ton of Carl Barks references in that in that show. Yeah. It was, yeah, to watch.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and the new one looks like it's just gonna be like a big tribute to Carl Barks, so I'm really looking yeah. forward to it.
6: Yeah, but that that was yeah, I mean, Eternal Smile was definitely it wasn't necessarily a pitch, it was just more like. A...
4: I love that story, like that reveal, like I didn't see that coming, and I just love that. that reveal of what the smile actually was. It was just like a great little thing.
6: Oh, awesome! Well, thank you, thank you for reading it.
4: Yeah, because I think I read that right after I read American Born Chinese. Like, I found it. Like, wait a second, there's another book by him.
6: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That that was that was super fun to do because I got to work with uh, Derek Kirk Kim, the artist of all three stories. He's one of the most phenomenal cartoonists uh, working today, I think. Uh, and, and just the fact that he was able to do those three stories in three totally different styles, it's it shows yeah. how. Yes. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I always thought they were just, you know, different artists working on it cuz I mean, I just never even clicked in my head that it would have been the same person.
6: No, it's the same dude. Yeah. It's the same dude. He he created a different process for every story in that book.
4: That is so cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: Awesome.
5: Yeah, really Gene, one thing that I remember a, a lot from um your talks at the National Book Festival is that you had questions from people who really wanted to know how to Be Fearless as Writers, um, and that came up. I also attended Stephen King's panel, and that also came up. So I was just kind of wondering if you can share some advice for comic creators who who would like to world build um, in a way that's respectful um, and fearless, but, you know, that features characters who are primarily from a different cultural background. Um for
6: themselves, you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I, I mean,
6: I think, um, I think in a lot of ways, the modern sensitivity to this is good, right? It's, it's, we are recognizing that culture ought to be treated with respect, even in fictional stories, it ought to be treated with respect. But I think the downside for us as writers is that it does add another layer of fear. I, I really think that, you know, fear is like the big boss for almost every writer. That's, that's the thing that you really have to have to get over. And if, and it's my opinion is that you can't be scared of making mistakes in your first draft okay. you you have to you know you have to you have to be okay with making mistakes including cultural mistakes in your first draft just to reach the end of that draft and and i would say um you also got to make sure that you have uh, a good set of beta readers uh, a good set of of um editors that'll be able to call you on your mistakes, you know, yeah. so that you're able to fix it. And and you have to be able to be willing to do your homework uh, in, in order to do that. But that first draft, I think the most important thing is just to get it out. Beyond anything else, you just got to get that out.
3: Mm. No, I, I – as, as someone who wrote a novel, it, yeah, that's I, – I felt that was like the biggest challenge is just get it done and then – go back and 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 write you you fix it and whatever yeah 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 i agree i mean
6: so many people so many talented writers don't finish and they don't finish because they run into that roadblock of fear and then it sidetracks them and they never get to the
3: end now do you have any other advice you would to someone who wants to be a writer
6: um, I, I started off as, self, as a self-publisher. I think that's a great way to start uh, because you're not going to make any money, but what you do get is this education on how the entire book market works. You know, mm. uh, you, you get to talk to distributors. You get to talk to retailers. You get to go to conventions and hang out with other artists. All that stuff is like the, the money that you put into self-publishing is almost like tuition in, in the school of comics. That, that, that's kind of how I saw those years for me. And then and then lately I've been reading um this book called The Artist's Way. Have you heard of this book?
3: No. Uh yeah I I heard I've heard of it. I I didn't hear anything about it other than the name. It's
6: it's awesome. It's awesome. It's it's about harnessing and protecting your creativity. So okay. she recognizes a bunch of different um exercises. One of them I do every day, which is morning pages. So she says that the first thing that you should do when you sit down to write every morning is do three pages of essentially garbage like you let your <laughs> you you just you just make sure your pen keeps moving and whatever comes out comes out if it's grocery lists it's grocery lists if it's complaints it's complaints you know just make sure it, it comes out and and i found that to be incredibly helpful
5: hmm. that's awesome that's, um I- gene i do have one question um something you said you know, about being fearless, about having basically people who are willing to be honest with you about your work. Um, I noticed that there's someone on Twitter um, at Cobra Talon. Um, the end <laughs> Yeah. Whatever you guys have going on, I like it. I don't understand it, but it's, it's like <laughs>
1: it's great.
5: It's like this frenemy bromance. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I love your little Twitter. Yeah, video.
6: yeah, Twitter. and I. Um, he's, he is he is one of my best friends. So when I was a high school teacher, he was also a teacher at the school. He's also a cartoonist. So okay. he um, uh, writes and draws his own comics. He did a book with First Second called It's called Sumo, and then he and I did a book together as well called uh, Level Up. So I did the writing and and he did the art. And um, and he and I are just really different. Like the way our, our entire approach to comics is really different. Like when we were doing level up, it would it drove me crazy to work with him. It drove me so nuts. Because <laughs> I care about things like deadlines. You know what I mean? Yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't give a crap about deadlines. He <laughs> would like we'd sit down, we figure out the schedule. We'd be like, okay, you know, by this week, by the end of this week, you have to have X number of pages done. And then I'd come to school on that Friday, right? And I'd go into a classroom <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, so did you get these pages done? He said yes. And I see. can I see them? And he'd be like, actually, I was like, I don't have them yet. <laughs> it was
1: like every week, it be like that.
6: You know. And this other thing that drives me crazy about him is, um, when you when you draw a word balloon, you need to make sure that all the words fit in the freaking word balloon. That's like common knowledge, don't you think? <laughs> it's like a normal thing. So what he would do is he would draw the word balloon first. And then when the words didn't fit, he'd just start dropping the articles. He'd be like, "You don't need the." You don't need. <laughs> Figured it out. Like, uh, <laughs> that was crazy. That was so crazy. <laughs> so that's why. Like, and 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 actually, he and I are actually working on something again.
1: <laughs> okay.
6: Yeah, we're doing uh, we're doing a short story for uh, a We Need Diverse Books anthology that'll be out from uh, Ra- Random House, I think. Cool. It'll be out from one of the big publishers. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing a four pager for them.
5: That's Very great. cool. Thank yeah. you for uh, that.
3: Yeah. No. He's like, I could do four yeah. pages with them Yeah, that's Three what pages. I was thinking. I was like, okay. It's been long. <laughs> we could
6: do, uh, we could do four pages. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's five five pages
3: is too much. Four is is okay. <laughs> you know, okay,
6: I I'll, I'll tell you one more thing that drives me crazy. So Level Up this book that we did, he he watercolored the whole thing, which is amazing. He's it's it's gorgeous. But like he he also did get lazy on some of the panels and he just did a crappy job. So so when he really wants to draw, he can draw he can draw like the wind. He's amazing, uh, and uh, but but there are sometimes where he just got lazy. So we turned it in for copy editing. Our editor made him redo. I would say maybe twenty percent of the panels. Okay, so he had a, he had to redraw oh and rewatch
1: oh, wow. twenty
6: panels and. This dude, he didn't even bother to go and find the same kind of paper. So he just <laughs> grabs whatever paper he has he has available to him, you know, and then he, he'll redraw the panel, and then he'll use Photoshop to cut and paste it into the book, <laughs> right? And, and, and <laughs> the <laughs> textures didn't match. Oh, so, no. But then when the book came out, when the book came out, we would get these reviews like, the, these reviews would be like, an artist Tin Fam, is su- amazingly sophisticated. If you pay attention, you'll notice that the texture of the paper follows the emotional states of the characters.
1: That <laughs> 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 was not
6: it. Oh and my he, God. Like, he, he printed those reviews out and he would like hang them in his classroom.
3: <laughs> oh, oh my God. God. Everything. Wow. It's <laughs> oh,
4: yeah. like when that hatchet archer is like scolded some teacher. It's like, that wasn't what I meant in that book at all. Quit making up stuff. <laughs>
1: You got to yeah. love. I got to love your fans.
4: It's like I love the fact that he just basically BS his way into greatness.
3: Yo, that yes. is yes, hilarious. <laughs> oh man, now before we wrap up the show and for before, before you go, Gene, uh we have one more thing we want to do with you. In, in... Yes. And you don't need to put your pants back on for this. It's, okay. It's not... yeah, no, I was good. wondering. It's what about... you were going to ask me. I'm not going to put it, those pants back it, on. Exactly. Uh, it is something that we do with all our guests in the I mean, show. Okay. <laughs> Just to wow. give the audience a chance to, to get to know you a little bit more and maybe embarrass yourself in the process. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm, uh, I give you the segment 120 Seconds in Heaven. Okay. <laughs> For those who are not familiar with it, uh each of our guests will have 120 seconds to quickly answer a series of questions written this time by our own by our own shadow scout. Hi. Okay. All right, bring it on. Ooh, we got oh, the sorry. timer. Yeah, do we have the timer? Oh, do I need it? Oh, uh,
6: somebody so why is it said... called? Why is it called heaven? How how is this heaven? <laughs> yeah, we ask ourselves
5: that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's heaven for That's others. That's
3: the trick so question. I see. I see. Okay. All right. I got a timer going,
4: so whenever you're okay.
3: ready. Okay. W'e ready. Yep. All right, Uh I'll do the questions. Okay, uh, Shadow. Yep. Okay. Uh, ready and go. Uh, Ada Lovelace or Admiral Grace Hopper? Hopper. I got to go with Grace Hopper. <laughs> uh, unicorns or dragons?
6: Uh, you Can Can you have a dragon with one
3: horn? That's what I would choose.
1: Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Uh, wow. T- uh, designers or engineers? Ooh, they're the same thing. Yeah, they're exact. the same thing. That's, That's a false dichotomy. I reject the question. <laughs> uh, real genius or weird science? Ooh, I would say weird science. Oh, I, yeah. Anyway, uh, Amazon Prime or Earth Prime? <laughs> Earth Prime. Okay. Uh, hey, summer but School but Prime doesn't give you free shipping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, summer School or alternative spring break? Summer School. I love Summer School. Summer School was my favorite kind of school. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, my god. Uh, Ghost in the Shell or Ghost in the Machine? Uh, Ghost in the Shell. Uh, Tech Crunch or Crunchyroll? Crunchyroll. <laughs> <laughs> better, better place to study: the Fortress of Solitude or the Library of Congress? Ooh, library! I gotta say, Library of
6: Congress. Yes. They're like my actual employer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ready
3: Player One or Rogue One?
6: Ooh, Rogue One. I I liked Ready Player One. I did like Ready Player One, but um, I I let my 13 year old son read it, and he's just been arguing with me about it this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I think about.
3: Uh, Schrodinger's cat or Pavlov's dog? Schrodinger's cat. Uh, Mad Mad Max or Mad Magazine? Mad Magazine. Uh, Cooler code (laughs) up, up, down, down, or pen up, pen down? Pen up, pen down. Whoops. Climb high four fifty one. Ah. Oh.
5: No, let's keep going. Come on.
3: What? We're continuing. The you happen- gotta ask yes. it. Yes. Let's do okay. It. okay. Wh- which oh, one? The last up. one. Oh. up. All right, yes. we do have to ask the one question now. Okay, what's the one Cause, question? Because otherwise, Geek Soul brother would be upset with us. <laughs> what kind of apocalypse would you not survive? Zombie, robot, alien, vampire, or Smurf?
6: Which one would I not survive? Yes. Okay. So, zombie, robot alien or Smurf? Clearly a vampire I would
3: or Smurf. Smurf.
6: Vampire All or Smurf? All of us would survive. Smurfs Smurfs would be like like a Smurf invasion would be like a solution to world hunger.
2: So that, <laughs> I don't know why you guys... a buffet. No, no, I've never no, no, no. heard that that is hilarious.
4: I think uh, a delicious buffet or they turn stuff into gold. We're not sure which just yet.
6: Yes, exactly. <laughs> it would be a it would be a boon. It would be a boon for our economy. <laughs> I I would have to say I would have to say probably zombie. I don't think I don't think I'd be able to Survive yeah. that. I don't have the stomach to even watch zombie movies, so to see yeah. one in, life, <laughs> it would just be. So so,
3: so, so, The Walking Dead is is out for you. In other words,
6: although, although, yeah. So that that show, um, I watched the first episode, and I, it was hard to watch for me because I'm kind of a a weenie that way. But I also <laughs> loved it. The problem is that my wife did not love it, and we watched oh. TV together. It's like our, our little date. You know what I mean. So oh. we had fun to, to other shows. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's doing the dishes. So
1: so Z Nation is out too, I guess. Okay.
6: Yeah, although actually I saw that one too. No, I saw I saw uh, I saw World War Z. That's the other oh, one. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, Z
2: Nation oh, yeah, is hilarious. <laughs> oh, you Y'all poor should poor try watching Z Nation together though. Yeah, I haven't seen
6: Z Nation yet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll uh I'll, I'll gather my courage and I'll give that a
2: <laughs> think of it, think of it Slime as a Walking Dead spoof.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, man uh so thank you for joining us gene uh it, it was majorly fun we're glad yes. to have you and you are more than welcome to come back anytime you know if you have something to uh to to pimp out we'll make sure we uh we we pimp it out for you you know we awesome. we'll, pimping we'll, it out we will night. yeah we we will pour ourselves for you
6: awesome awesome thank you thank you so much
3: <laughs> i appreciate the offer
6: of whoring yourselves out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is what we are. <laughs> that's
5: that uh, John yourself. I'm too upset.
3: <laughs> this coming from the producer who is like, "Oh, we got to get him on." So <laughs> she
2: she's the, that's the pimp, not the horse.
3: Yeah, yeah, she's the pimp. She is the pimp. Uh well, that's it for this episode. Our next Kamigamoni up is January 12th where we will have uh something uh <laughs> of course if you will if, if you have a show segment sh- show or segment idea for the future hit hit us up at five venoms at gmail.com uh tuesday on the regular show as usual we have nothing planned yet however i'm sure we'll figure something out between now and then mm-hmm. i think
2: cool. uh a bit talk of star wars
3: yeah, well, exactly
0: well just no, probably talk, spend the entire episode talking about the baywatch trailer
2: <laughs> hey, that's a
4: great
3: trailer. <laughs> it was. Uh, I know we will have Michelle Leveretta, uh showrunner of Killjoys, joining us for a special episode next Friday, uh, starting at nine thirty. So you know, stop by and hang out. Uh, and for Saturday night, Sci-Fi Geeks' old brother has something going on. Uh, did he say what we, what he was doing for Tuesday? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Santa Claus, Cockers, the Martians. Probably. <laughs> okay. So. uh Look us up on Twitter, uh, Alia underscore she, that is Twitterella. Uh, Philorican underscore Uno, who, you know, is out and about doing his own thing. Real Lord Dalek, uh, Mdog957, Arts Humana, that is Shadow Scout. Uh, Howard Toby. that's Toby one kenobi Illuminous with two Es. Uh, And, of course, myself, Jonathan J. Stone, Zero. And, of course, last but not least, Geek Soul Brother himself. Uh, also check us out, check out uh, Five Nerdy Venoms for your news and other commentary from us. And uh, also check out GeekSoulBrother.com for reviews and commentary from the man in the Delta Quadrant and from the rest of us. Also hit that donny button. It's that... Don't hate button. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Best ever. <laughs>
3: Hey, I thought mine are pretty Anyway, also check us out on Patreon. Uh, we have a page set up for, uh, that G- GSB set up as well. Uh, so that's it. Enjoy your weekend as well as your holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, uh, yes, Hanukkah, thank you. Uh, happy New Year. Happy Fast
4: of Us. And a tip top tip. Yeah.
3: Whichever one you celebrate. And come back and join us on, on Tuesday and again in the new year. Until then, remember, kneel before Zod. Peace <laughs> out, everyone.
1: Bye. Bye.